Here we go. The name of the game is Name That Movie. I'm going to give some movie descriptions, and these fellows are going to try to guess. All right, here we go. Group spends nine hours returning jewelry. Uh, that sounds like an early 2000s fantasy film based on J.R.R. Tolkien's novels. Oh, the, uh, the Lord of the Rings? Yes. Um, well, it sounds like the entirety of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, our, is this specific the, 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 got it. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Is that a movie? Da, da. Group's been nine hours. Nine hours. Re returning. Three. Can you repeat that? Ocean's Eight. No, that's way longer than nine hours. I don't think I've even seen that. Wait, nine, nine hours? Nine hours returning jewelry. Mm-hmm. Infinity War. Avengers Affinity War. No, it is not. It's Lord of the Rings. Ah! Uh, we're going to go for Rush Hour. The answer is Lord of the Rings. All right, next. A young man agrees to play hooky with his best friend while his mom is antiquing into Cater. One hint, we are talking about Decatur, Illinois. Whoa. A young man agrees to play hooky with his best friend while his mom is antiquing in the city of Decatur. That is a John Hughes classic. 1986, I believe. If not close enough, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What's up? That's right. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's Decatur, Illinois? It's they, Well, they're in the suburbs of Chicago, but yes. in the middle of the movie, he mentions Older sister ruins younger sister's chances of appearing on television. Hmm. <laughs> We're gonna lose. <laughs> really us. <laughs> oh, that! Oh my goodness! He, the Hunger Games. Yeah. It's the Hunger Games. It oh. is the Hunger Games. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. Yes. <laughs> the Hunger Games. Isn't that? There's so much frustration going through here. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey. You guys win a giant uh, thing of hand sanitizer. Stay yeah, safe. What I wanted. This, this is right. better than an Oscar. Yes, it is. It's a great gift. Also, some later. Also free free mosaic dr uh, cafe drink on me. So, guys. Cool. Man, these are movie experts right here. Well, it's only appropriate that our, our video staff member, Jeremy Shaw, would win the, uh, you know, the video-based game there. So, hey, maybe in an effort to have a little fun uh, in here, uh, why don't we turn to our neighbor and just take a second and share your favorite movie, uh, but maybe a little less cryptic, no, no riddles, real quick. And then also in all the other spaces and at home and online, maybe in the chat, you can put your favorite movie. Okay, on your market set, go. Favorite movies. All right, time's up. Very good. All right, well, that's a good segue just to remind us that in a couple weeks, we begin our At The Movie series where we take modern day stories uh, relative to the fact that Jesus took modern day stories in his time uh, to teach timeless truths. And so we've got small groups starting with all that we're excited about uh, taking a look at the big screen 
But before we do that, we're going to take a couple of weeks to look at the smaller screens that have so um, captured our attention and lives over the last uh, number of years uh, here in the last, I guess, couple of decades, you think about when the iPhone just came out and all that. So that's what we're going to be looking at in this two-week series entitled Redeem the Screen. Uh, we're going to look at, you could say, the, the input that we take, the, the content we consume today, and then next week we're going to look kind of more like the output, you know, our communication, our community. Uh, the conversations that take place through these little devices that are so much a part of the fabric of our lives now. And so if you uh, have a Bible with you here in the West Auditorium, greetings to those in the East Auditorium in Lovington. We got a, a site going on down in our block. Hello to the Block Church, as well as uh, those of you at home, uh, wherever you're at. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, I think. Let me look again. No, 11. Excuse me. Luke chapter 11. Go ahead. Look at the screen to find the how ironic is that? Okay, so Luke chapter 11, uh, where we are going to be exploring how Jesus' words, uh, God's timeless word, intersects with this very timely uh, technology that we all find ourselves with. And it's interesting, I came across this story this past week, or actually, um, not story, but really uh, kind of what used to take place uh, in, in the medieval church when it came to baptizing knights of Templar. And what they would do is when these knights were baptized, when they were like immersed below the water, they would go down, but holding their sword above the water, almost as if to say like, hey, this here, this, uh, you know, what I do on the battlefield, what I do with this as it relates to my identity, like this here is off limits. And as I thought about that, I wonder, in our day and age, in our actual living of our lives and the practices that we make when it comes to the content we consume or the communication uh, that we make, I wonder if we consider our commitment to Christ as we go under, that if for us, that if we're honest, maybe in some cases, we would have our smartphones above the water, uh, kind of saying, okay, you can have all of me, but when it comes to this, off limits. Maybe just as you think about the sheer amount of time devoted to these little devices, or maybe uh, to our topics, the content I consume is off limits, or the way in which I'm going to engage socially is kind of my own thing. And so um, we're going to take a look at where God's word wants to kind of pull that phone underwater with us in full surrender into the content we consume and the communication that we make over the next couple of weeks. I was uh, last weekend in the lobby and uh, Dr. Lee Hall, a psychologist in the life of our church, uh, stopped me with a, hey, knowing this series was coming, he said with a, with a, did you know? And I didn't know what he was gonna tell me. What he shared was something we actually shared on social media uh, this past week. And that, that there is actually a psychological diagnosis for the fear, the anxiety that goes uh, with the possibility of not having our little handheld devices on us. It's, uh, it's called a psychological diagnosis of noma phobia. It is the diagnosis of the irrational fear of being without your mobile phone or being unable to use your phone for some reason, such as the absence of signal or running out of battery power. If you start looking for, you know, kind of feedback on studies, on what uh, the impact that these devices have on our lives, I'm sure we have no idea. And our great, great grandkids are gonna be like, you all did what with phone? It's, we have probably so much to learn about how the impact uh, of all of this is having on us. But one statistic that I found that just kind of trumped them all that I want to share with you was the, um, that 
the admission of 75% of smartphone users, uh, 75% of smartphone users admit to being on their phone while using the restroom. And so, guilty, 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 off the hook. Guilty, 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 off the hook. Three out of every four. And in full disclosure, guilty. Guilty. So, uh, not going to throw any stones there. But what really got me was that of those 75%, 30% of those people said that, get this, they would not go into the restroom. They would refuse to go in the restroom without their phone. Like, I'm not going in there alone. You know, like, I'm not going in there with nothing to do. Another survey, 74% of 18 to 34-year-olds said that their, their phone is the very last thing they see before going to bed. And it's always the first thing they see when they wake up. Uh, Pastor Kyle Eidelman, uh, in his Right Now Media Bible study on the same topic, he says it this way. He says, the problem is not that we now have 24-hour access. He says, the problem is that these screens, they have 24-hour access to us. And so as we think about, again, the impact and the infiltration of these little devices in our lives, uh, let's see what, again, God's word, what Jesus' words say in God's word when it comes to how he wants to, again, redeem these little screens in our lives. And almost as we read this teaching, I almost wonder, like, did God have screens in mind specifically as you read this uh, when it thinks about and when we think about how God's word wants to intersect his truth with our lives, okay? So follow with me, Luke chapter 11, and we're going to see Jesus teaching here starting in verse 33. Jesus teaching, it says it this way. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Uh, your eye, he says, is, is the lamp of your body. Jesus says that when your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also then is full of darkness. So see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, he says, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Okay, and so Jesus, as he's teaching about these uh, understanding of the role that darkness and light have in our lives, he, he, really the, the epicenter of this passage and the understanding of where all this is taking place, the gateway here, Jesus says, he says in verse 34 that your eye is the lamp of your body. Uh, essentially that what comes into your eyes, uh, what you are, you know, in our context, taking into these little blue lit, backlit screens, whatever's illuminating our eyes is what is, for better or for worse, lighting up everything inside of us. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that the content that enters through our eyes is the content that will define your mind, your heart, your soul, the living of your very life. So he says, verse 34 again, he says, when your eyes, when they take in what's healthy, then your whole body is full of light. But when it comes uh, to what comes into your eyes is unhealthy, he says, and your whole body then is full of darkness. And so as we look at this kind of input-output reality, um, 
you know, 2,000 years later, it's interesting, the field of psychology is actually just uh, given terminology to it, terminology to what Jesus already said was true uh, 2,000 years ago. But psychologists call, uh, they have two laws when it comes to what we're talking about. First law is called the law of cognition. The law of cognition. The law of cognition says that whatever you think about determines your life. Uh, it determine that whatever uh, shapes your thoughts, shapes your thinking, is going to shape the way you live out your life. And the second law is called the law of exposure. And that says that whatever you are most exposed to, most give your attention to, that is what's going to shape your thoughts. And so when you put all that together, essentially in life, your life is shaped by your thoughts and your thoughts are determined by whatever you expose yourself to most. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying whatever you are exposing, illuminating the lamp of your eyes with is what is going to shape your life. And again, for better or for worse, whether that is healthy light or unhealthy darkness. And so we're going to look at those two categorical um, umbrellas of content as Jesus paints it, both uh, light and health, as well as darkness and unhealth. And so we're going to go ahead and start with the, the darkness, the unhealthy content that we allow into the lamp of our eyes that light up our life and goes from there. And even as we set up to do this, I, I, I want to offer this disclaimer that this is not a setup. This is not, uh, you know, designed to be a two-week guilt trip on, on everything that you, you choose to watch. But really, I would say that what the next couple of weeks is about, I would say, is, is more accurately an invitation. It's an invitation not to be legalistic, but to be wise. Uh, you could say it's, it's not to try to figure out exactly what it is you're allowed to consume versus what you're not allowed to consume, uh, but really to, to discover actually what is best for you. Uh, that assuming you want what's best for you and that you would believe that God's best is what's best for you. So as we discover God's best for us in this space, uh, a few pages over from te Jesus' teaching that we're looking at in the Bible is the book of 1 Corinthians. And it is actually a letter written to the church at Corinth by the Apostle Paul. And he is actually talking about this very issue, a little bit different um, kind of subject, if you will. But he's talking about the content that this church is consuming. Uh, namely, specifically for them, it was food. It was meat that they were consuming uh, and whether or not they could consume it because uh, some of these meats had been sacrificed in pagan temples uh, to all kinds of idols and false gods and stuff. And so what he's trying to help Christians discern is like, can they consume this meat that's been sacrificed to idols? Like, is that okay? And so as he's parsing it out, he says, essentially, like, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian and you go and you eat meat and you had no idea that this meat had been sacrificed, you know, to some idol or whatever, he said, then your conscience is clear. You know, maybe that's what happens. You turn on a television, something comes up. It's like, well, you weren't planning to watch that comes out. And, you know, you're, there's almost like a little bit of a parallel there. And so on the other hand, though, he says, if you are invited into someone's home and they lay food before you and the host says, hey, this meat, you know, was sacrificed to the fertility goddess Aphrodite or whatever in the local temple enjoy he says whoa, whoa, whoa well then don't eat that don't eat that don't do that both as a witness to your friend as well as not to dishonor the one true God of the Bible who alone is to be worshipped and so Paul is addressing you know in a lot of these letters in the Bible addressing real issues that people are facing in their churches and so you've got this situational ethic and there's all other parts of that story that I even get into but essentially at the end of it Paul gives this kind of like cuts through all the muck and the mire uh, statement that helps us discern, okay, 
when it comes to the content we consume, here's how we can understand it, whether it's in their case, food for us, it's uh, screen content. And I think it applies to us pretty well. First Corinthians 10, 31, he simply says it this way. He says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so really what Paul is saying in this statement is, is actually he's raising a question. He's saying, is what you are consuming does it bring glory to God? Can you in good conscience, uh, if you will, again, relative to their time was what they were eating and drinking, but can you in good conscience say, you know, hey, that whatever it is that you are watching or, or, or gaming or maybe even, you know, like jamming to, like whatever it is that you're taking in, can you, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 it, can you do it all for the glory of God? And so there's another verse in this passage that people lean into when it comes to really answering that question. Okay, can I do this for the glory of God? That is actually a really kind of popular quoted verse throughout, you know, if you've grown up in the church, you, you may have heard it. And, uh, but I wanted to give the context before I just gave you a verse by itself because the context is really important here. It's 1 Corinthians 10.23. The Apostle Paul says essentially this to the uh, Corinthian church, to us. He says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Now, real quick, by a show of hands, how many of you heard that verse somewhere before? You, maybe not growing church. It's kind of a real popular line, okay? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a verse that can be used in isolation where people say kind of this understanding of like, yeah, everything's permissible, but yeah, you know, you want to go a deeper level. Um, you know, is it beneficial? Is it constructive? And honestly, it has been misinterpreted. In fact, the opposite of what it actually means has been interpreted in the sense that like we people have quoted that saying like actually like it's true everything is permissible you can do whatever you want but then you ask the wise question is it constructive is it beneficial that's not what's taking place in this verse um, in fact you might have noticed that the uh, translation was the the new international version 1984 and so uh, uh you know these updated versions come out and so the 2011 version and counting which is the one that most of us have actually helped to bring that nuance out those you know paul's really using like air quotes here as you can see and so he says it this way again same verse in your niv now says uh i have the right to do anything so you see those quotes and i had it before but then he adds uh it says as you say. You have the right to do everything. Everything is permissible as you say. It's almost like these air quotes of like this, because this was like a slogan. This was a catchphrase in the Corinthian church because the Corinthians, they were, it was kind of like the Las Vegas of our time. It's like whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. It was kind of a wild place. And so they lived by this, hey, you can do whatever you want. And he's challenging that. He's saying, no, you, you don't want to live by this idea that you, everything is permissible because it's not. Um, and really you see in the whole letter throughout the Corinthian church or to the Corinthians, he's addressing this like, okay, this is not God's best for you. And so, fast forward 2,000 years to us. You could say the Apostle Paul, what he is saying to you and to me, he was saying, sure, you're adults. You can, do, everything is permissible. You can do whatever you want, you say. You know, I'm, you know, 17 or older, so I can, I can do whatever I want. I can watch whatever movie I want to watch. I can binge whatever series I want to binge. I can sing along with whatever song. I can play whatever video game. He said, sure, you can, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you're an adult. You have that right. You can, you know, you can hold that phone 
above the waters of baptism. You could say, I don't, you know, I'm not going to surrender this. You have that right. But here's what Paul's really trying to ask for you is, is it what's best for you? Is it, he says, think about it. Is this beneficial? Is this constructive? That's the invitation. That's the, uh, the open door for you and for me to discern with the Holy Spirit, to ask yourself, to ask the Holy Spirit, to ask in prayer. So, okay, is this beneficial? Is this constructive? Does this bring glory to God? Is this best for me? Is it God's best for me? Because I want what's best for me, and I believe what God has is what's best for me. And so, uh, kind of real practical, one resource that our family uses to uh, determine uh, the content we watch, or maybe in some cases the content that we don't watch, the content we won't consume, is uh, a resource put out by the Christian organization Focus on the Family. It's called Plugged In. And essentially what it provides is reviews, uh, kind of from a Christian biblical worldview of, uh, and it's real honest, it's not like, it's not sugar-coated at all, I mean, but it gives real honest reviews of TV series and movies and books and video games and all this stuff. And it gives feedback, both to kind of like the positive, like, hey, here's some light that's in this film or whatever the content is. But it also gives you a heads up as to, you know, violent content, sexual content, crude or profane language, drug and alcohol content. And, and then there's just this, like this miscellaneous category, like any other negative elements that you might want to be aware of so that you can so that you can ask the question, okay, so is this wise? Is this beneficial? Is this constructive? Uh, it, it really affords you that opportunity to make front-end decisions, you could say, decisions before the decision comes up, front-end decisions about the content that you're choosing to consume. Uh, and so you can find that resource. Uh, we put it on our website, firsteducator.org slash redeem the screen, along with a bunch of other uh, resources to really help us in, in this process in our lives and our families. Um, Kind of maybe moving past just uh, reviews on, on scenes. I, I came across uh, a story, a situation, a couple, not, actually a number of years ago now that I thought really just kind of cut through all of this decision making that I thought has been really helpful um, and very convicting over the years. Uh, it was a story, a guy by the name of Ken, who was, um, true story, he was watching a movie with his wife and his in-laws. Uh, and depending on the nature of the film, that can always be a an awkward possible situation there. So they're watching this movie all together and um, they're watching it and this racy scene comes on the screen uh, and, you know, kind of whatever, get past that. And then after the movie, uh, the father-in-law and Ken, they're talking about, you know, really this kind of topic. They're kind of saying, you know, is this, you know, the beneficial, constructive thing? And the father-in-law, he asked this question to Ken, to his son-in-law. He says it this way. He's like, basically, maybe the best way to ask it is this. And he says, would you ever allow strangers to come into your home and do that in your living room? No, of, co of course not. And his father-in-law said this. He said, well then, why would you allow them to come in through the television? Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Does it bring glory to God. You know, and please hear, I am not trying to be holier than thou. I am asking myself these same questions, these same realities of trying to discover and discern what is God's best uh, in the content I consume. Uh, but I think I'm just discovering over the years like that mamas across the land are right. You know, garbage in, garbage out. Or as, as Jesus said, darkness in, 
darkness out. And I appreciate the way that Jesus really calls us on this in verse 35 where he says, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. It's almost like how can you have light and darkness together? It's basically saying that if darkness is what's going in through the lamp of your eyes, if that's what's shining in on you, he said, then what shines out is not going to be very shiny. Um, and and I, honestly, I'll just be, I remember not giving a whole lot of thought to this subject that we're looking at today uh, over the years. And what's interesting is I've tried to kind of pursue this. What's, what happens is like, I'll go back and watch a movie that I thought I loved. And uh, a number of years later, I'll go back and I'll watch them like, whoa, like I didn't even see that that was there. Like I didn't even catch that. Like I, I realized that how desensitized I had become to all kinds of darkness that I just, it just wasn't beneficial. It wasn't constructive. And so I just, I feel like I'm just kind of like addicted to that pursuit now. I want God's best. I want God's purity. I want wisdom and discernment because again, I want what's best for me and I believe what God has is best for me. And so I constantly want to be pursuing God's best. So again, it's not about trying to be legalistic uh, or, you know, trying to lay on a guilt trip on you or anything like that. You know, I'm not trying to blow up your favorite uh, show in the middle of season 17 or anything like that. But really, I want uh, what I feel like I'm discovering more and more of. I want, and I believe you want, God's best for you. And so again, it's an invitation to seek God, to seek the Holy Spirit and ask these biblical questions. Is this beneficial? Is this constructive? Does this bring glory to God? So as we ask those questions, um, I, I, it feels like we're kind of going down this dark hole. And I want to say, remember, we're not trying to say scrap the screen. Uh, the name of the series is Redeem the Screen. So, okay, so uh, what, what do we do then with these devices to uh, be intentional to bring in light, to bring in health? How can we redeem them, uh, make them uh, really, I, I love the song we sang. We're going we're gonna to revisit again. We, we kind of make new graves into gardens. How can we take what seems like a lot of garbage that's out there and, and make it good. How can we, uh, I love the impossibility of that song lyric. It says we turn, he turns seas into highways. Talking about Moses. You take a sea that's in front of you and an army behind and he splits it. He makes a high, he makes a way. That's what it means for God to redeem something. It means literally to make good, to make worthwhile, to win back, uh, to free. That's what we want. We want to be free of the darkness and we want to bring in uh, the light because Jesus said that when your, heart, your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. Okay? And so this light, this light is Jesus himself. He's saying, I am the light. I am the good news, the gospel. I am the one who forgives us, forgives you the darkness of sin in your life and redeems us, frees us from it, not just forgiving it uh, for someday, maybe later when we get to heaven. It's a, it is about redeeming and replacing it with something new now with his light, his will, and his ways. That's who Jesus is. I love um, what theologian Matthew Henry and his commentary on this passage that we're looking at, uh, he said this back in 1708. So long before screens, but very applicable to our conversation today. He says, if our understanding acknowledges the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in its full light, he says, if we can do that, if we acknowledge that, if we pursue that, he says, it fills the soul. And it, Jesus' light, says it has enough 
to fill it. There's enough within Jesus in and of himself to fully satisfy, to completely fill everything about us. Jesus is enough. In fact, later, uh, the Apostle Paul in his writing to the Corinthian church, he says it this way. He says, he said, Apostle Paul says that God says, my grace is enough. And so, how do we fill ourselves with that? How do we fill ourselves with the enoughness of Jesus' life, or excuse me, Jesus' light and his grace? Uh, really almost remembering again that law of cognition, that law of exposure that says our life it's going to be shaped by our thoughts and our thoughts are going to be determined by what we expose ourselves to. So a few practical ways in which to use these screens to expose yourself to the light of Jesus on a regular basis, okay? First practical way we can do that, congratulations, check, you're doing it right now. Uh, that we can actually utilize our screens uh, like never before to participate together in weekly worship. Uh, to really respond to what we said last week, if you're with us, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, where it says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. Do not give up meeting together. Uh, we would say whether in person or online to make sure we gather together to hear together from his word and to together worship him. Uh, and so a lot of you are doing that right now in front of some screen uh, at home. And that's awesome. Keep that up. Keep that as a regular commitment to your screen time content. When you get that report from the phone, very convicting also, uh, that little thing that pops up. Uh, but ironically, even to you all in here, what I love about what's happening is I watch your eyes is that even those who are live in the room with me, about half of you are watching me who's actually here and the other half are watching me on a screen. So you can use the screens to continue to do this together, whether actually you're in the room or at home. Another way that we can redeem our screens is actually through Grow Together Small Groups. We kick off uh, small groups here in, in three weeks and we are doing that with our At The Movie series in conjunction with that. And obviously that's something that typically takes place in a home, which we certainly still will be doing those, but also recognizing that rather than trying to get within six feet of each other. There's some social distance stuff going down. And so if you want to be a part of a online small group, we have uh, some Zoom gatherings taking place online to make a way for that too. So you can actually be a part of a small group right online. And so that's cool. Third way that we can use these screens to bring in light and life and goodness and grace of Jesus into our lives is through um, a resource called Right Now Media. Uh, right Now Media is a resource that our church has a partnership with. It's been called the Netflix for Christians, basically, because it has hundreds of video-based Bible studies and topical studies for all kinds of things that we face in our life, both for adults and for kids. In fact, interestingly, relative to our subject, um, it was about a year ago that my, my in-laws were in town and they were sharing how their church uh, in Louisville was going through a series called, they called it Redeem the Screen. I thought, huh, bookmark, that might be something important along the way. So who knew how much we'd be using screens like never before in the last six months? And so we slated to do that. And then interestingly enough, this past week we saw on Right Now Media, they actually took their sermon series and put it on Right Now Media as a three-week Bible study uh, called Redeem the Screen. And so if you want to take what we've started here on the weekends and go deeper, um, just search that. It's actually one of the banners. It's one of their main ones right now by Kyle Eidelman. I already looked at it all. It's really, really good. And encourage you to, to explore that and other studies. And one more, one that we push quite a bit uh, is our YouVersion Bible app. Uh, it is, uh, you have 
dozens of translations on it. There's reading plans, audio Bibles, a verse of the day, devotionals, all kinds of things. And one of the cool things, uh, and, and a bunch of you kind of know this because we've talked about it before, that that app, which is like, I think it's like number two or three downloaded app in the world, uh, was actually created by uh, a Decatur native, actually. And his sister uh, and their family is a part of the life of this church. And it's just kind of cool. So um, great, great resources there. And so we, again, we put all of those in one spot along with some other things at firstdecatur.org slash redeem the screen so that you can be intentional to continue to utilize these things to bring in light into the lamp of our eyes that that light would, yes, light us up, but not just end there. And this is really the point of Jesus' message that it wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't just light up your life and put a period on it like, oh great, now I've got the light of Jesus. But no, it was designed, as Jesus says, to shine not just in us, but then we discover when it's in us, it flows through us. Again, Jesus, verse 36, he says, therefore, if your whole body, if it's full of light and no part of it's dark, he said, it'll be just as full of light as like when a lamp shines its light on you in a room. So you're full of light. And then Jesus, the whole point, verse 33, how he opened up the teaching. He says, here's what, here's what Jesus does with us when we are a light for him. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where you can't see it, where it's hidden, or under a bowl. He says, instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in, those who come in to see you may see the light. And so we look forward to looking at not just the light in us through the content we consume, but next week as we talk about our communication and the community and the social media, how is it that we are being light or to be light, as Jesus said, to be put on a stand so that whoever comes in, whoever comes in to view our pictures, read our comments, view our posts, you know, read our tweets, read our texts, whatever, whatever that they are coming in to see that we are putting out, May it be the light of Christ. And I think if you've been on social media for two seconds, it's something that we definitely uh, could give some attention and energy to. And so we'll look forward to jumping into that next week. Uh, but for all of this, let me pray for us as we continue to invite God to redeem our screens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is our prayer that the light within us would not be darkness, that darkness would come out. God, that your light, uh, that you and you alone are enough. You are enough to fill every crevice, need, desire, want, that you uh, want to make new everything in our lives, including what comes into our eyes through these little screens. And so, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, discernment, wisdom, seeking purity, that whatever it is um, that we would discover bringing glory to you? Is it beneficial? Is it constructive that we would grow in the light that's within us and the light that shines through us? To the glory of God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen.